Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hey, this is episode 87. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So, guys, I am the doctor. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. So, listeners, today is Doctor Who episode. Uh, Again, it's bizarre, mind-boggling that this wasn't episode 12 instead of episode 87. Uh But we're here, finally. Well, it was your idea, too. To talk the doctor. Yeah, and and I'm not really even the Whovian uh, of the crowd. Uh, That's you two guys that really know this thing better than I do. Uh, uh, I know it well, but I'm late to the party compared to Robert. Because you watched them during the rerun experience. um, Very little. I did watch some, during, but it wasn't really uh, that often. I do remember watching some of the fourth Doctor. Which was, um, in many respects, still considered to be... Some of, the of the original run, yeah. He's, yeah. The, he's the gold standard, probably. Yeah. That de- also, but that depends. I know a lot, I've seen a lot of people talk about how they prefer the second Doctor or the third Doctor. Not too many prefer the fifth, sixth, or seventh Doctors, though. Peter Davison's got a good following. Uh, he fifth. does. Yes. But sixth or seventh, well, I, I hate to say that. It just depends. Okay, nobody likes the sixth. We can agree with that. That's not true either. That's probably <laughs> not true. Well, Colin Baker got a short shrift. That's not his he fault. He, he, was, he was a fine actor and is a fine actor. Yeah. Just, well, you know, in many ways, Sylvester McCoy got a, a little bit of a short shrift. He too. did too. That's great. He was uh, uh, he's fantastic. But I mean, really, the guy who got the shortest shrift was Paul McGann, who happens to actually be my favorite gentleman. I'll give you that. I'm saving that confession I do, I, I, for later. Uh, well, uh, hold on before we get there. Jump the gun, episode's over. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, but... Listeners, if you're not familiar with Doctor Who... Yes. It is and if a, you're not, who the hell are you? Why are you listening to why this are you podcast? Listening to us? But it's a long-running British science fiction program mm-hmm. with the gimmick of the character goes undergoes a transformation called regeneration yes. that allows them to switch actors... Whenever they please, and personalities too. It's not they're not playing the same character. It's it is the same character, but he's totally new, and they get to play. Or to she, this, or she, yeah, yeah. That's right. and then now she, to, now she. That's right. Now they get to right, and the idea being it, it refreshes the program, but keeps all the memories and keeps the memories and the experiences. So so it's uh, and uh, they were able to you know the doctor is well. David Tennant said he was nine hundred and three years old as the tenth doctor. So you can figure out yeah. where that. You know so, how that goes. Yeah, the current doctor is well over two thousand years old. Right. See, so it's you know there's all sorts of playing with that sort of stuff, but that's what's so cool about it. This so is, how did this start out? Uh, the BBC wanted a science fiction show. It was a family show. Yeah, so it was intended for kids. That's correct. Uh, originally, and um, a woman named Verity uh, Lambert. Lambert, thank you. Yeah. Uh, she was the producer. And the, matter of fact, I don't know if, if you saw it, you probably did not, but there was a uh, special called uh, Through Time and Space. Yes. That had, uh, it was basically the story about how the Doctor uh, came about. Yeah, exactly. It was fascinating. Very much so. Because they didn't get a whole lot of support, uh-huh. uh, and it was intended to actually have a little bit of uh, educational element, too, with all of the time travel. Right, right. The, uh, the A science fiction show... That would appeal to the family and get people interested in what was going on in science at the time. And in 1963 or 4, there's a lot going on in science at the time. Yeah. Well, in I mean, you're, res- you're ramping up the space program. Uh, 
nuclear weapons and the whole bit. Well, it's post Sputnik. I mean, if you if you remember the first Toy Story, it kind of lays it out pretty well. Uh, because of the launch of the Sputnik space uh, satellite, the very first one, all of a sudden you've created a shift on the ground where westerns and all that stuff has is waning, and science fiction is starting to wax. And this was an outgrowth of that. This is not that many years later. And they realized, you know, science fiction's got some stuff here, and it's very educational. That was kind of what they're trying yeah. to do with it. And they captured lightning in a bottle. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's the same pot as. Star Trek and Planet of the Apes predates those too, but it, but yes, it's earlier than both. Yeah, uh, it's earlier than just about any U.S. Um, modern science fiction show. Yes, uh, um, and by it, modern I mean anything that really is like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and Beyond. Yeah, any, and that Irwin Allen forward. Yeah, well, that one. It's interesting you say that Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea premiered in '64, right? Which is you might mark that we've done the Twilight Zone, but that's not. Really, that's that. sci-fi that's, horror. That's almost sci-fi suspense. Yeah, and speculative fictions yeah, at best. Yeah. It's it's not it's not hard sci-fi. Uh, Voice of Odyssey was a good was a good transition for that because it didn't start out quite that way. It was kind of a Cold War thing, but it they transformed it over yeah. that. And uh, yeah. by the time it's finished in '69, yeah, it's the change is complete. Yeah. I mean, other than you know the 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 hokey uh, things with the spaceships, the rockets from the uh, the wires that you can see <laughs> with the flames shooting out, the shootout, and then go up because, you know, that's what flames do. Yeah. You know, when in space there is nothing like that. Right. Uh, you know, aside from the the hokey stuff. Um, yeah, you know, anything that posts the Flash Gordon serials. Yeah. That's but, very but true. But again, is, it's the same melting pot as Stan Lee and Marvel. That's true. Yeah, that's uh, true. You know, the comics, again, are also drawing from the same wellspring of nuclear tests and mm-hmm. space race and all that stuff. Right, but they still take an oddball slant on it. You yes. know? It's not about a space program. It's not about scientists. He's an explorer. And he's got his granddaughter with him. Sorry, it's not even about Earth. Which is, I mean, yeah, he's it, not a human. He's not a human. Well, initially, we don't know that. So That's well. correct. Right. That, that was developed because yeah. they didn't, we weren't quite sure what, that, what all that went was. Uh, it's anchored in the British community, yes, because you want that familiarity, but they're the observers of him. Yeah. You know, they're the companions of him. It's very British if you watch the series for very long, especially by the time you get to the third Doctor. Uh, for like four years of John Pertwee's thing, he's grounded on Earth uh, because that was a budget issue. That's one yeah. of the things that was really weird about Doctor Who is the budget was sucked. It was nothing. I mean, yeah. it was you, you got those... Guys, just like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, had no budget. So you get the guys in the in the silly costumes uh, that are these aliens. Well, and the sets and the sets, are yeah. So plain. When you look at the control room of the TARDIS, the spaceship, the time and spaceship, uh, it's very plain in those early days. Yeah. And the control panel, you know, it's this six-sided thing. Yeah. And how that came about was Verity Lambert went to her prop department saying, "Look, you." have been told you need to give me prop designs yeah i need the control panel we don't have anything to build and so the guy he's like on his lunch break or something so he puts these things together it's a little six-sided platform on a pedestal and you know eventually that very quickly by the carpenters and whoever build builds the props turns into the control panel and it is uh you know, of course, you got the little colander inside the uh, yes. the, the part that goes up and down <laughs> that, that, that makes the noise. Um, 
that's in, very endemic of, of how they treated necessity had to be the mother of invention yeah. here but what but it could have been uh absolutely ridiculous in times if you look at it just visually uh it is but it's the stories yeah. and the concepts that made this fly as long it, as it has. It's sort of like the kid playing with the cardboard box in his front yard. Yes. But in this case, the kid's got the support of some really great writers. Yeah, oh, that's correct. I mean, there's some <laughs> serious folks in there. And they realize, A, Verity Lambert created a very flexible concept. Yeah. And that's what mm-hmm. helped them, uh, because it should have ended after three years when William Hartnell says, well, I'm not in the greatest of health. He's the first doctor. I need to and they weren't exactly unhappy to see him go. They weren't. He, he was, was a little touchy to work with. He was. And to be honest, there's so many things that he didn't bring that they didn't know they needed. By bringing in Patrick Troughton afterwards, who created a completely different character, and yet it's the same. Uh, they're almost not... Uh, yeah. it, it, it reinvigorated the series. And all of yeah. a sudden, you've got new viewers saying, Wow, this is the same show, but it's different. You get to take it and do whatever you want with it. Well, and that that becomes really the concept is this fellow's an alien without a name other than the Doctor. Yeah. And he is pulling humans, Londoners, essentially, along with him. Yeah. Uh, it became known as the Companions. Yeah. Exploring both time and space. Yep. Uh, whichever one you wanted to do. You got Right. And the time travel meant they could go anywhere and see anything. A lot of the early seasons did a lot of British history stuff because that's what the viewers knew. Right. It's, it's Which makes sense. That's, that's you've right. got the sets. You've got the costumes. That's go exactly right. It. Let's let's. It's real cheap. Let's. Uh, they're they're in the BBC archives. They're somewhere. That's why you have him meet Richard the Lionhearted and stuff like that. Yeah. Not a lot. Of, there's more time in those earlier ones than there were space. Yeah. That came later because the writer, the change writers are there so often, but they don't want to get too stale. And sometimes yeah. they would. Well, and they also, you know, they were also aware, I think, of being uh, too goofy looking. Mm-hmm. And the best example of being too goofy looking is the original Cybermen. Yes. Because you can tell they're, they're guys in a, you know, some kind of knit stocking with a cap, metal cap over their head. And, and things sticking out their ears. Yeah, it... it, it now, granted, you know, they did what they could with mm-hmm. what they had. And they actually brought back those original Cybermen in the later series. Yes. And did them a little bit better, mind you. Well, but... yeah. Well, actually, you mean the design? The design. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, with, with, uh, uh, with in, actually, not that long ago, just a couple of years ago. Exactly, yeah. Uh, which was really good. Showed a great uh, continuity. Yeah. Uh, which is always a great thing in science fiction. Well, that's that's actually been... It, you would think that would be an anchor. I mean, uh, a, a boat anchor type of a drag, but it's not. It's actually a very helpful thing. It's a, it's a, like a hub that they can work through. Uh, it does require, after all these years, some people paying some serious attention, but the people creating the series now, they were fans as kids. Yeah. And, and they grew and, up with yeah. it. That's, and then that's, the history eventually reaches critical mass. Right. And you've it, got it, that. If you're not familiar... Listeners, the original BBC program ran to, was it 89? Uh, 87, 80, I think it was. Something like, 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 yeah. like, something like yeah. 64 into the 80s. Right, yes. yes. And then, again, budget, BBC, they lots of They tried to bring it back in they, 96. Yes, they pull Paul it. McGann. They pull it. They do a TV movie in 96 with Paul McGann. Set here in the U.S. They monkeyed with a concept a little. Supposedly, when he came back, he was half human, only had one heart. They kind of ditched that with pretty uh, much yeah. when they used Paul McGann's character for audiobooks and his next appearance. Yes, uh, yeah. 
Was, and so, but that that didn't really work out at that moment as a pilot for a reborn series. Right. But eventually, in the two thousands, it would be reborn. Two thousand five. Yeah. Russell T. Davis, who was the guiding force behind bringing it back, because he was a well known and respected producer at the BBC who loved the the Who series. He had enough clout to say, "I want to do this," and they said, oh, "Okay, you're Russell T." Well. Okay, they uh, you own it. It's not like you had to worry about paying anything for it. Uh, let's try this. And, of course, it was a huge hit. Uh, and part of that had to do with, I think, they cast well. That's always been the series. That's one of the things they do well is they really have a great top-notch cast yeah. and a creative team. Uh, because Christopher Eccleston was amazing. My first Doctor Who I ever watched was actually Eccleston's. I never watched it, any of the classic Who. I knew of it. But I was never able to see it. Yeah, so, I watched a little yeah. of it, but you know, not a whole lot. Yeah. You, I am mostly a new, uh, new doc, new series. Yeah, um, you know. because they they did eventually broadcast some of the originals in the U.S. Yes, on, on PBS. On PBS, that's yes, right, and that's where were, I saw. Uh, that's where back in the eighties. Yeah, because uh, uh, they course, were cheap. Yeah. Now I have seen quite a few of them um, since I started watching. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, at I would, some point I want to watch all of them from the very beginning. I got them all. The DVDs, boys. I yeah, I've got. Yeah, there are still some missing episodes. Yes, too. there are. They're they have done that. cartoons, yes, animations of some of them because they have audio. I think for almost all of them, if right. not all of them. Because uh, fans, that's the only way they could relive them is they would audio tape them. Yeah. Well, those have survived and they've been turned back. Well, into some of these I think are not fan audio. These are BBC audio. Exactly. All of the above. It depends on what they can get their hands on. Yeah, yeah. They, they're. I think three lost episodes were found in Africa or someplace That's where true. they loaned the BBC had loaned them out to a local network. Right. The reason those episodes and, got and lost. Never got them back. The reason those episodes got lost is by the time, and it's only the first two doctors you have the issue with. After yes. the after John Pertwee starts, you don't have the issue because it's, it's all color then. But before that, they would have. They had a tape shortage. They had to reuse tape. Yeah, film. So they re- they tape over these things. Yeah, not film. Tape. 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 Yeah, exactly. That's what they were like filmed Like your VHS, on. you know, where you could re-record. <laughs> that's what they did. That's what they were using at the time, uh, and uh, they fixed that with John Pertwee. In fact, uh, John Pertwee's first episode, Spear in Space, is actually filmed on uh, high quality of movie grade film. That's the first one to do that. And if you watch it, you can tell. Yeah, that they spent some money on that one. Yeah. Uh, now they, they it was different after that. It was like done on location and things like that. You can certainly watch. Yeah, they, the they definitely varied. Uh, you know, sometimes it's monsters and sometimes it's space and mm-hmm. sometimes it's a history episode. And, yeah. Well, and you know, during John Kirby's run, it was very much uh, I'm uh, a, a uh, James Bond kind of character. Yeah, yeah. man yeah. of action. That's what it's they an call act, him. Yeah, an action and figure. Per- type. I, I love Pertwee. He's one of my favorite doctors. He was he was suited for that. They took the actor, and part of it was they cast him for that reason. They wanted to go that way, but he did a fantastic job, fantastic job. And he, he's the second longest serving Doctor, yeah. five years, uh, and uh, but it definitely went through kind of its man from uncle phase. Well, that's that's part of it too. That's yeah. that's exactly right, and that's just a product of the time. By the time yeah. he's finished, uh, then you've got Tom Baker, which arguably of the classic series is. Sp- considered to be not only the best doctor, he's certainly the longest, he's seven years, but the high point of some of the writing that was going on. Yeah. Uh, Douglas Adams was writing at, at one point yeah. for some yeah. of these folks who, who did uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, some of these stories 
are amazingly high sci-fi that they pull off on a budget that you just can't believe. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, but because of the writing, and the the issue with these was this is a serialized format. It's 22 minutes, you know, 30 minutes with commercials, uh, like five episodes. Sometimes they do seven. Uh, sometimes they do less than that. But it's all that's one story in a serialized fashion, with cliffhangers at the end of each one. So you tune in the next the next time. Yeah. So uh, it was if you watch those old episodes, it's not standard fare for American audiences. Right uh, uh, now, by the time they do the reboot in '05, it's the same forty three minutes, hour long. <coughs> that it's one story. There may be some connections between episodes, but you know. But generally, things wrap up. By the time you're at the end of an although episode. they they seasonalize meta stories, yeah, they'll they'll have a meta theme that some of these will connect with. Some are standalones, some are two parts, some will build. By the time the season ends, you're paying off threads you've dropped. Yeah, yeah, they've the done other. that more and more as the years have gone on. Um, but the first, you know, the first three seasons, well, the second and third season, they did that less than they did in the first because mm-hmm. the first was all about Bad Wolf. Right, yeah, um, that was Christopher Eccleston's and, and uh, Billy Piper. You know, second and third was less about that. Fourth was definitely uh, dropping those those hints uh, and, and plot lines, and you know, they do it. They did it to varying degrees. You know, I think probably most people um, that have watched both probably prefer the newer one, but there's always, and I know we've just alienated like <laughs> half because the other half are going to say, no, it's the old doctor and only the old doctor. Yeah. Um, but they both have their, uh, their good points. Mm-hmm. The new one's just, it's far more polished. It is. It, is the thing. That's, that's part of it. And they got a budget for goodness sakes. That has a lot to do with it. And it's also become a phenomenon yeah. again, which it was, it was a, a sideline. They, they have a worldwide audience now that's too. Right. That's it, right. It's, I mean, it's popular in the U S at the moment. It's, this is not well, and years later, a few on PBS. Well, thank you for, you know, BBC, cable TV, BBC America and yeah. certain other things like that. Because when the first, when in 2000, when, 2005, when the first one comes out, they had no way of getting it over here. They had to sell the rights to the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. Remember that? That's the only way you could see them. And that's after it's all done. Two years, le- three years later, David Tennant is doing his four movies, which is kind of like his fourth season, but not really. You remember that? The yeah. Next Doctor and all that stuff. It was the Christmas special with him uh, is not broadcast until almost Easter in, in America. Right, uh, you couldn't get this is before you had same real time stuff. Yeah, and you didn't even have a place to put it. That's yeah. where you. Well, had and to... then they got to the point where all right, we'll release it on the same day, but we'll you know it's still eight p.m. in both countries. Yeah. So you know it releases at like three o'clock in the afternoon U.S. time in in Great Britain, and then five hours later we get to watch it. Um, although by that but, point people were ripping yeah. it uh, off television, yeah, putting it on like the internet, streaming and, and internet, internet that's right. and everything so, changes all yeah. that. exactly. So they figured yeah. out there's better ways to do this. Yeah. Now. So then eventually it's just all at the same time, which is fantastic. Yeah. Just, so again, this this character gets to go through personality and appearance changes. Uh, he's a space traveler, mm-hmm. uh, time lord, time lord. That's what he is, do yeah. you know all these things? But who came up with the regeneration gimmick? Was that Barry Lambert, or was that... Uh, it was the was producers at the... It, it, they didn't call it regeneration at first. But they it was just... 
we got to figure out how do we bring this other guy in, Patrick Trotton, because William Hartnell, he, he had some health issues. He was, as you say, he's hard to work with. He wanted out. So they did this final uh, serial called The Tenth Planet, where he collapses and changes into Patrick Trotton. Well, initially, I think they were going to have Patrick Trotton just, you know, change the actor. Right. But, and I don't know who did this because I have to go back and watch the show, but somebody came up with the idea, well, you know, this is sci-fi. Yeah. Why does it have to be That's right. exactly the same? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it would be just change the actor with no comment and everything's the same. Right. This gave them the opportunity to change everything. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a genius gimmick. It's a genius gimmick because Patrick Trotton to, to is start nothing over. like William Hart. William Hartnell was a space curmudgeon. Yes. And, we, and Patrick Trotton was a space hobo. Yeah. Well, that was his appearance, but he wasn't. Well, that's correct. He's, 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 as usual, the Doctor has certain consistencies throughout all his incarnations. He's always the smartest man in the room. Yes. He's always got a plan. He's already figured out what you're going to do and what he needs to do. It's rare that he's ever surprised. And as, and as River says, the Doctor always lies. That's correct. That's right. That's right. There's, there's all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, and there, uh, it, it enabled them to write differently. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure how... I think that's organic... Based on the, the the actor, yeah. By the time Pat John Pertwee comes in, they've done this before. And they realize, well, we're, we want to do this. We cast him this way. He's going to be this man of action. <coughs> they ended up stranding him on Earth for like three years because of the budget issue. So they didn't, they couldn't go out into space. Now his last two years, they lifted that, and he did some space travel and time travel. And actually, some of the best stuff he did was those last two years with Sarah Jane mm-hmm. as his companion. Uh, the great all, and wonderful Elizabeth Slade. That was fantastic. May she rest in peace. She was she was one of the one of the very. Best. She's probably one of the most favored companions. Yeah, that's right. Uh, among many, because there are others. Uh, Joe Grant before her was with John Pertwee was excellent as yeah. well. Katie Manning. Uh, there's lots of. Uh, uh, in fact, Lala Ward married Tom Baker while they were playing together uh, on uh, yes yeah, so they were playing together so they got married so <laughs> they could right. play together well That's that exactly was right. my next question was about the companions yes. one what role does the companion play and and just to explain it's the a idea fo- it's a foil for the doctor it, but it didn't start out that way it was meant to be the human British audience inserting themselves into the adventure that's what it started out yeah. as, and it still uh, does that to a and degree. And it still does that to it, a degree. It lets the audience be in the adventure, but it, it creates a form of moral compass sometimes, conflict. Donna Noble sometimes. especially was the the restraint on David Tennant. That's doctor. correct, and but see that evolves organically both in the writing room and with the performances too. Yeah, uh, and that sometimes it. I, I mean, I can't tell you the evolution once they start writing it, but most of these things are tightly scripted. Uh, at least the new ones are. They're, they know exactly what they're going with yeah. before that. But I think they're pretty clear about how things have to end up. But the companion and companions, sometimes, they would change too. Yes. Some, and it, part of it was audience reactions. Uh, and I know that uh, they, uh, doc, the fourth doctor starts out with Sarah Jane, but he also has uh, the, the doctor guy, the Scottish guy that's with him. And I, cannot, I swear I cannot remember his name. Uh, yeah, I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah, he was with him for like that first season, and he just wasn't that popular. He's kind of annoying. Nothing on the actor. He's a fantastic actor. And I cannot remember his name, because they do one of the best of the series in that first season of the Fourth Doctor, Genesis of the Daleks, and because 
<laughs> also, the companion's great. The villains are excellent, too. And yep. the Daleks turn out to be something... Because they revisit, own. yeah, I mean, they revisit these these when you villains it, over and over well, and over when you get it new right, stories. Sometimes stories. they'll create one and they'll come back later, and sometimes they won't. Sometimes some of the ones they'll create, they created in the 70s, but it's only the nostalgia in the 2010s that somebody says, oh, let's go back and grab the Zygons. We haven't done a Zygon episode. Remember the Zygons weren't all that yeah. interesting. Uh, unlike, there's always a Dalek episode. Every Doctor has fought the Dalek at least once. Yeah. Uh, quick bit of trivia. Who fought them the most? That would be John Pertwee. He had three. <laughs> uh, and whereas Tom, even Tom Baker only had two. Yeah. Uh, no, excuse me. Four for John Pertwee and three for Tom Baker. But yeah, it's still safe. Yeah, the Daleks are, you know, and these other villains is really interesting. Sometimes they're a villain... Of the Doctor, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're a villain to the humans, yeah, that's right. and the Doctor's taking up for the humans, right. and so there's always this interplay of trying to figure out. They're almost always um, they go non-human. After the, yeah, they go after the humans to get at the Doctor sometimes. Right, but I mean, the, the I there probably is somewhere uh, a villain who is strictly human, uh, especially for Pertwee, because he's mm-hmm. on Earth the entire time. Sure. But he's not, he's not always fighting those type of... Sometimes right. he is. But especially the new series, since 2005, uh, it's pretty much, you know, aliens are always the, the, the villains, even though they may look human. Yeah. Just like the Doctor looks human. Right. But, you know, most of them don't. That's something very unique. They would spend money on uh, costuming like you wouldn't believe on some of these things because their villains had to be the monster of the week. In in the in, yeah. in the seventies in particular, they well, the, wanted the, that alien look. The Daleks still look like a large trash can with a plunger sticking well, out. The pepper pots they've been called. That's which is what they were. I mean, that's that's how they <laughs> created them, uh, and it just kind of uh, they wanted that otherworldly look. Whereas Star Trek went the opposite direction. They wanted that human look. You know that you land on planets and there's other humanoids everywhere. Uh, a it's cheap. Well, yeah. It's true for, for Doctor Who as well. Yeah, I mean, everybody's humanoid. Now, Doctor Who has the advantage of saying, well, you humans have just gone everywhere, and basically one of them says, you've slept with everything, so everybody looks like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, because when you're doing time, you've got that option. You know, time is not fixed, whereas in Star Trek it is. Yeah. Uh, you've got, you know, my lord, some of the best stuff they've done, uh, they went to the year, what, what one trillion uh, with Martha, where he met um, the master, get another great villain. Another I don't, villain. I don't know that it was that far along, but yeah, it was basically when the universe was com- compressing upon itself. Right. Yeah. It's it's a trillion was something. I don't remember the number, but it was the the trillion yeah. word was used, which is like supposedly you're not supposed to go that far. Of course, you're not supposed to do that. Of course, the doctor's going to do that. Uh, that's one of my very favorites. John Sim did an amazing job. Uh, well, Sir Derek Jacobi did as well. As, as the master. The master, Those are some, yes. some of my very favorite episodes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we drifted into villains, but I, I want to go back to the companions. Again, we talk about their role. And, and again, their personalities vary as they change sure. the characters around. Yeah. Again, Donna Noble, very different from... Martha. Martha and from Rose. And, right. And really different from Amy Pond. That was deliberate uh, with the change in Doctor. Uh, they wanted a very different companion uh, with Matt Smith. Yeah. Uh, built a romance that a lot of people thinking, well, I don't think we really want to do that. That's kind of weird. So they brought in her, her boyfriend, Rory. Yeah. Changed the dynamics back. Yeah. And it was good. 
it, it worked out. I thought. I yeah. thought she did. Uh, I, I think uh, Amy gets a short shrift at times. I, th- I think Karen Gillian is one of the most amazing actresses. Oh, I don't know who gives her short shrift. I think she's one of the best companions. I have ever. heard a lot of hate on her for some strange reason. Uh, that the well, she certainly. The actress parlayed the part. Correct. That's in, right. Into it's not it's not her that jump. people don't like. They didn't yeah. they, they didn't like any pond. And it's it's a it's a jab against the writers for whatever reason. Okay. I don't understand that. Residual wise, Karen Gilliam never has to work a day in her life. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah because between programmings are done yeah, differently. Nebula. Playing Nebula <laughs> and Amy Pond, you know, residuals will keep her set for life. That's right. But yeah. she's still working and she's still excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's got a whole other series too. The She's in the Jumanji. Mm-hmm. Yes, so yes. Right. Many of those they can crank out. She well, can be in those and make sure, money. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, she, she was in a short, very short-lived uh, uh, episodic comedy uh, here in the U.S. It was John Chu, yes. and it was uh, like it was, she's basically an airhead slut. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to describe. Well, that which is character. a shame because she's she's a fine actress and she she can she's shown she can do some really yeah, great stuff like more that. Than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, companions. Uh, Sometimes they're successful. Uh, occasionally they're they're drop ins and drop outs. They kind of see what sticks. Sometimes, but you don't have just the companions. Sometimes you have the supporting cast to the companions. That was not the case in the original series. Once the companions with the doctor, that's it. The two of them are together, and they just or him and more than that, and they go everywhere. There's no connection backwards on the world that they leave behind. Yeah. But eventually they would introduce. They changed that. Canine. And yes, unit, the, uh, yeah, the, the yeah, extraterrestrial yeah, uh-huh. research crew on on Earth, uh-huh. so they could they could do some military style stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that that most most of that was was in with John Pertwee. Yeah, the K-9 third was Tom Baker. Tom K was Tom Baker. That's right. The robot dog. Right. Yep. <laughs> Who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah again, you have to be careful if he fouls the pavement, though. You'll slip on the ball bearings. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, uh, again, changing the idea of what what's going on—an explorer to a detective to man of action to this techno wizardry type stuff—and mm-hmm. and some and sometimes they would uh, go dark too. Sylvester McCoy, his was a very much a, almost a Svengali like manipulator that he would do certain things and that was delivered on the part of the writers I mean McCoy doesn't come off that way mm-hmm. but he's, he's very and that was kind of a reaction against the Colin Baker before him which they had taken things in a different direction and, and they had lost a lot of ratings uh, and again uh, Colin Baker's a fine actor and he worked with what he had to work with but the BBC lost faith in the series at that point they went from a thirty. You know, they went from the serialized format to an hour. Uh, they cut the number of productions with them. Uh, a lot of the old writers had left. They brought in some others, and they tried to change things up. And it was got a little silly at times. Just 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 the costume that Colin Baker wore. Yeah, that was well. I mean, you know, Peter Davison's costume wasn't. Uh, it was definitely well. None of them. Yeah. Wore decent costumes past Patrick Troughton. I don't know. John Pertwee's wasn't too bad. Sometimes. Please. He, Ruffles. Okay. Well, this velvet is velvet waistcoat. Come on. I got it. But you know, hey, it was 73, 74. Still. You know, but I mean, that's part of the idea is yeah. he's a man out of time even yeah. in his appearance. That's correct. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what is like Peter or uh uh Christopher Eccleston does not work kind of for me is He's a guy in a t-shirt and a leather jacket. Well, that's not how the doctor. Well, they, well, they, they call he's him U-boat the, captain. He's a U-boat captain. That's what they call him. That's yeah. what. That's what. Uh, yeah. Which uh, again, they really didn't know what they were going to do with him. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a, 
I don't want to say reboot, but it well, was. Well, no, it was because Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, uh, not through his fault, yeah. but this is the way it was written, changed the Doctor dramatically. Very much so. Absolutely dramatically. Uh, his Doctor was an angry Doctor. Yes, he was. He was very angry because his was the, the first post-Time War Doctor. Which was an invention to create that type of a Doctor. And the Time War happened between... Paul McGann's 8th Doctor and Christopher Eccleston's ninth Doctor. And all we knew about it was, uh, it came out during that first season, he destroyed not only his people, but all the Daleks. Of course, he didn't really destroy all the Daleks because they, they show up. Yep. <laughs> um, and so it turned the Doctor into a mass murderer. It's one of the things that I've always found very disturbing about the way they brought him back. He destroyed billions, if not trillions, of people in this act of ending the time war, which itself was destroying all reality, was the, the whole idea. And he did this to save everyone else. Yeah. So he was very angry. Uh, he, he had PTSD, yeah. is essentially how you would put it. Yeah. And he was uh, the last of his race then. And he, he thought he was the last of his which, race. Yeah, that's, it gave some dramatic possibilities for a while. But It, it gave a lot of internal angst and, yeah. and conflict within himself. But one of the things that... Uh, you know, one of the best lines from Christopher Eccleston's uh, Time as the Doctor uh, is a great illustration of the anger of the original, or that original Ninth Doctor, or, you know, the, the original Doctor of the reboot. And that is uh, when, when they're doing the, um, the two-parter where they're in World War II and it's where Captain Jack Harkness is first introduced. And when they finally figure out how they're going to save everybody... You know, the doctor says, just this once, Rose, everybody lives. Everybody lives. Oh, it's a great moment. It's a fantastic and moment. It is. it stands out because that's when you realize, my God, everywhere he goes, everybody dies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you realize this ahead of time, but because this is the first time nobody dies, it's a big deal. And it's the first time he was actually happy because nobody died. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a, uh, Russell T. Davis, I think, wrote that, I may be wrong, uh, but I believe he, he did, yeah. Yeah, but he was certainly the showrunner. And that was deliberate on his part. And he said that in interviews later. Well, he no, said, wait. Who's the guy after him? Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, Dang, it's not Chris Chibnall. He's doing it right now. No. Stephen Moffat, thank you. Moffat, Moffat wrote, wrote it. That's Moffat right. wrote all the best ones. That's, he, he did. Absolutely. And, and Russell T. says that. You know, He didn't have to edit Moffat's. But that was yes. a very... What, he, what Russell yeah. T. wanted was he wants this... We're going to juxtapose this angry, angsty doctor in order to give them that moment. And it was yeah. kind of like that, one of the best moments in that series. And you see the progression uh, of the doctor from that angry, angry doctor. Because in the very first episode, he, you know, he calls humans, you know, these stupid apes. Mm -hmm. And he's very belligerent with Rose. And, you know, she's like, well, you're not an alien. You sound like you're from the North. He's like, well, so what? Lots of planets have a North. You know, he's very... Because uh, he's, got, he's got a northern accent, Christopher yeah. Eccleston does, and he, yeah. he didn't, they didn't mitigate that. Yeah. yeah. Which to us still sounds British. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, he was very belligerent to everybody, and that softened over that, that uh, tenure. It's really a shame he did not want to come back. He did not... He is talking about doing some of the audio adventures. Yes, he's going to do audio, but he's, he says he's never coming back to live action. Right, well... He had a bad experience for lots of... And this has been well documented during his time there, and that's had a lot to do with it. Uh, but he was fantastic. He is, a, he is a fantastic actor. He is. And I, I do want to make sure we mention the fact that these audio adventures are put out by a, a company called Big Finish. They have done hundreds of these audio plays with full casts, including whatever actor they've... And they've picked, I think, all oh, yeah. the living ones have, have done it. Paul they, McGann has more time as the Doctor... 
than anyone. Right, because he because gets, he did all these audio programs and he does them fast. One of the reasons he's my favorite. I love him so much because he he got the short shrift. It wasn't that, but when you hear those audio adventures, and I've listened to many of them. Damn, he's good. They cast him right. He mm-hmm. was he was the guy, yeah. uh, and uh, he actually did get a swan song uh, a couple of years ago when Matt Smith was about to finish his tenure. Uh, and they did the anniversary thing, the fiftieth anniversary, 50th anniversary. Day of the Doctor, right? They, it, it, which was Night of the Doctor was his little eight yeah. minute, six minute ending. Basically, yeah. they actually filmed it where how he tra- he basically dies and regenerates into what we thought would be Christopher Eccleston's, but of course they kind of retcon. Well, we that knew fight. it wasn't coming to Christopher because we'd already seen John Hurt as the Doctor, right? At that point, that's yeah. correct. Uh, we knew that it had to be John Hurt's. The war doctor who yeah. sus- doesn't have a number, and right. we just and they over. don't call him. Yes, all the other doctors are ashamed of him. Yeah, because he's the mass murderer. Right. Yeah, he's the one that did all that. Right, and but as it turns out, he didn't. Which is one. Of the, I am not a fan of retcons. That is the one retcon I am one hundred percent behind. Yeah, because it fixed the character. Correct. Yeah, you had to do that, and yeah. the, the the first part of it was just ambiguous enough. To give you the wiggle room to make that change, it wasn't as explicit as it as it could have. Yeah, thank yeah. God, because well, it's, it just it, barely yeah. made it. It's, it's this great gimmick where you can go from that characterization with Christopher Eccleston to a David Tennant characterization that's so different. Right, he's so, happy. He likes being the Doctor, right. but he still bears that guilt. There's still some guilt. Oh he yeah, still absolutely. bears the guilt, and but he's. Tennant's has learned to live with it and go on. That's right. Tennant's an amazing doctor. Uh, which you know, Eccleston does at the end. He he, you know, he's yeah. gotten that. But for, but for, uh, uh, for Ten, uh, David Tennant, it, the the difference in character is great. But because David Tennant is such a great actor, he can still bring that that anguish over what made uh, Nine's Doctor have PTSD, and you know that's the great acting. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even Matt Smith was able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, now I will say that the, the current Doctor feels like she has absolutely no connection to the to past Doctors to me. So that I think more is, is mostly a writing issue. Yeah, because uh, I think they wanted to make a total break. <clears throat> it's a different showrunner too. It's, yeah, right. Because it's a different showrunner. And I, I'm guessing I don't know this, but I'm guessing they thought that continuity does become a boat anchor sooner or later. You, Which you, I think is. BS. Correct. I, I think you are more creative when you have to come up with ways to work with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Stay within the... Right. But when, as, as the doctor says to prospective companions, all of time and space, when that is your hook, mm-hmm. you don't have any limitations. That's exactly right. That's what's so really, so really great because there's yeah, been that's so That's a big part of this is the companions know what's going on. They, they find yeah. out in some way or another. Right. Whereas other people in the orbit don't. They don't know. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Depends. Later, if they're they'll recurring, they do figure it out. Yeah, they, yeah. that's well, right. Well, he doesn't hide it necessarily. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't go around advertising it. Yeah. But it's a police box. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Because the chameleon circuit is broken. Yeah, it's yeah. stuck there. They don't get to change it around. Yeah. Uh, so, is it the greatest sci-fi ever? Ooh. Is it? Is it bigger than Star Trek? Is it... In what way? As yeah, in you got to quantify quality that. of sci-fi, the following, the impact. Um, I I would think the quality. I think that'd be where I'd want well, you guys to you'd, come. You'd have to differentiate between production quality, 
uh, and the imaginative. Well, yeah, you're talking stories. Conceptual. You're talking about the quality (coughs) of the concept and the execution thereof, whatever that looks like. Uh, It's uh, there could be. You could make a very good argument that it is. Uh, Star Trek has certainly had more socialized impact, but let's be honest. In this country, that's what I was about to say. That's an American uh, product. Uh, it, it, it had its own genesis, its own life, not the genesis device, but its own genesis of how this works. And it, but the, the British series suffered from a lack of distribution in its early days. Yeah. Uh, and production quality because it just didn't have the money. But by the time Russell T comes along, it's now worldwide. And it didn't start out quite right. that way, but now it is. But they could because, you yeah. Know. Technology. Yeah, the I would say that yes, it probably is the greatest science fiction uh, concept and execution uh, combination. There may be better executions and there may be better concepts, but I don't think anybody has paired them together as well. Mm-hmm. It's got its low moments, absolutely. Yeah, we but can it's talk. got its high moments, and honestly, I think most of the high moments are current run, uh, the the second generation. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of high moments, yeah. but there are a lot more low moments, mm-hmm. silliness, I think, in that first run that the, drags that down. Yeah, the first two Doctors, in many respects, that's where a lot of... They, they just hadn't figured it out yet. But you know, I think some of those are some of the best science fiction. Sometimes. Sometimes they are. I said some. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and sometimes there's... But there were be, there were more excellent stories written I think during the Tom Baker years yes yeah, there, certainly there are great stories written there Tom Baker's years they, they really are the high water mark of the first generation yeah. so to speak mm-hmm. um, you know I think three lost his way as far as the the doctor sci-fi concept because it's stuck on earth well that's right yeah once, doesn't mean it wasn't entertaining yeah by the time they lifted that restriction he got much better and, yeah. he, and he came into his own this and companions also have a lot to do with it you know yeah. um the, the original companions were, by today's standards, a little staid, a little dry. They were teachers, uh, along with his granddaughter. Uh, we still don't know who the, the mother is <laughs> after all these years. No. Uh, but, or, or the father, uh, you know, whichever one would be. His, whoever the child is, yeah. is, been, is yeah. the granddaughter's we don't, parent. We don't know how that came about. Uh, we do believe that in, in the, the time where David Tennant was leaving... Uh, when the time war and the, the master comes back and the time war is they unlock all that with uh, Timothy Dalton was in the episode Claire Bloom plays a woman who is supposed to have been the doctor's mother yes they don't explicitly say that well but, and that's the other thing about the current doctor where they have broken yeah. uh, with things um, while it's not necessarily explicit they have broken the history of the doctor with some recent changes which I'm not a fan of I mean, yeah, it blows open the whole concept of what it means to be a time lord and mm-hmm. uh, and who the doctor is, uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's so out of left field. And I say, while Jodie uh, Whittaker is is a fine actress, she yeah, really she does a great job. love her in uh, Broadchurch and uh, with David Tennant mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and, and and other things. But to me, she kind of falls flat as a doctor. Uh, not she's not my favorite. Uh, but I still watch them. So, sure, you yeah. Know. Um, but they've changed that a little too fundamentally for me uh, to, to really be a fan of that particular change. And I don't want to go into it because you start describing plots 
of sci-fi shows yeah. out loud to people. I discovered this once when uh, our, our very good friend uh, from Michigan uh, trying to explain comic book plot uh, story to him. And you, you realize, my God, it sounds like you're describing Days of Our Lives. You know, yeah. like a soap opera. Yeah. So it, it makes great sense while you're watching it. it. makes great sense while you're reading it. But once you start trying to explain them to people, you realize how freaking stupid it all sounds. So, yes. no, I'm not going to try and go in. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think to its credit, it doesn't have too strong an element of the soap opera in it. No, it, the the current and ones it don't. Just, no. yeah. It's the convolutedness of trying to explain, you know, well, yeah. there's all this history and you know, all these yeah. other things. The serialized format had a little of that with it, but they were self-contained. Yeah. Uh, rarely would those things bleed over, although they would have sequels all the time, because if you had a particularly interesting monster, as Bugs Bunny would say, uh, they would make an appearance back pretty quickly. The Daleks yeah. were the Daleks were just a, yeah. an obvious story. Cyberman came back a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the master... Now, those are probably the three biggies. Yeah, yeah, the Daleks especially. I think even if you don't know the Doctor, you've probably seen an image of the Daleks and you didn't get it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. you know that's everywhere. Yeah, the the companions to me make the show. Yeah, you can't do Doctor Who without the companions because honestly, he's just not as interesting. Uh, yeah. You asked what the purpose of the companions were, and. Uh, Apologies, but I think you missed the point a little bit, or you just didn't get to it because we were kind of wandering all over the place. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's probably more likely. The companions humanize the Doctor. Yeah, they make him, they don't make it so that we can relate to the Doctor so much as they make him relatable to us. Um, it could be a being of this incredible, infinite power. Right, and when he depending on who's yeah, depending on who's uh, writing, he is. Time, time Lord Victorious, as yes. David Tennant would say, uh, and, and and the companion reels him back in. Yes, putting a limit most on, of the time. You know, yeah, most of the time. I, I just uh, again, I'm not the Whovian. You guys are the one I I remember of some of the David Tennant stuff, but the the episode with the Rachnos, the spider monsters, uh-huh. and Donna Noble introducing her, and uh-huh. he's wipes them all out, and she's like, well, you can't do that. Yeah. yeah, he's ready to... Yeah, because he's just... Uh, you know, this is right after he lost um, uh, Billy Piper's companion, mm. uh, yeah, Rose. Rose. Yeah, This is in between... Even though it's, you know, the you know, the, the third companion, it's the Christmas special. Right. So there's often a different companion for those. Right. Yeah. And, and she was popular enough they brought her back later. She was. She was phenomenal. Catherine Tate is... She is a national treasure for Great Britain, in my yeah. opinion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she and David Tennant get along so well. Because the character starts out a little dense. Yeah. Well, that's in fact that's the storyline is she well, should yeah. she should get this and she doesn't. <laughs> and uh, then of that, course that's... her character ends up her mind has ends up having to be wiped. She goes back to that, and you can see the difference. Yeah. In when she goes back to that character, because again, don't want to explain the plot because it sounds stupid. But when she goes back to that, you see the growth from where she was when yeah. she was first introduced to what she became, and then you realize how tragic. Her yeah. end is, yeah. Even though she's alive and happy and yeah. gets married, her ending is so tragic because she doesn't even remember the doctor anymore yeah. and can never remember the doctor. That's right. Because she had grown and she was, she was investigating weirdness on her own as inspired by the doctor. Sure. Yes. Which is that's one of the things is so. you know the the arc of the character is essential. Yeah. Ironically, the doctor, his are always self-contained. He doesn't, you know, they build a little bit. 
other than what we've talked about, how the Time War well, was attempting, I think, to change that, to give him a real arc of change. Well, no, I think you do see it some, because when you look at, you know, for instance, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. He had a definite from the Angry Doctor to yes. the end. And I think that was a deliberate attempt to yeah. correct that, which hadn't been done so much in the previous series. And then series. David Tennant, you know, he was carefree and happy. Yeah. And maybe a little too carefree and happy. He started to carry around the weight of what happened to Rose. Yes, he started carrying the weight. Yes, after was, Rose, he got a little a more serious and withdrawn a bit. And you know, and then at the end, um, yes, you know, he's he's yes. by himself because he's tired of seeing, you know, losing people. Yeah, yeah. The, and the burden of what happens to the companions weighs yeah. on him. Uh, so he has a definite. Growth. So I think you see. Honestly, I do think you see it more. It's just it's very subtle and over yeah, a longer yeah, period yeah. of time. That, that's one of the corrections they made with the new yeah. the new series. They needed right. that. Well, before I ask my last question, let's talk bourbon. So uh, we are at uh, Studio F here at the Baxter Building, and hitting the Woodford Double Oaked again. Yes, sir. And and I think I you know what we think of Woodford Double Oak is is well documented. It's good stuff. Well, it's Robert's favorite, so I offer it for him. And I thank you. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, but you shouldn't take my bottle home with you. I won't. I you think the doctor he was would like bourbon? It. Well, I can guarantee you the doctor would like bourbon. I can't see why he wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like bourbon except Philistines? Oh, very good. I like that. That's a very good work. Yes, it's Philistines. Um, yes. One of the things that, that I like about uh, the, the Companions, uh, especially the modern ones, is they are more than just the foil. Yeah. You know, they are characters unto themselves. They spun the, the Companions off into their own series sometimes. Um, Once. Sort of, yeah. Sarah Jane. I mean, Sarah Jane had hers, but she got a series with... Um, uh, after just one comeback, which is great, seeing her back in that that uh, episode with David Tennant uh, in the Rose season or the Martha season, I mean, uh, was fantastic, and that led to a spinoff. Captain Jack got his Torchwood spinoff. Yep, yeah, which is uh, good stuff. Yeah, which is good stuff. Very That's hard. really the lot, the only two um, that have had true spinoffs. Uh, I wish Torchwood would come back because Captain Jack Harkness is just awesome. Yeah, he was. He was phenomenal. That that enabled them to do some seriously adult stories, which. Doctor Who is still intended to be palatable for children, even though it's not written for children. It's 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 always there, knowing that they're out there as part of it. They're not going to do anything particularly they've skirted the line a little bit occasionally, but it's never going to be an adult-oriented theme, right? Not not like Torchwood. Torchwood was, was absolutely that. Yeah, yeah and, and some of those, especially the two miniseries as they did at the end, were beyond dark. Oh my God, that yes. those Children of Earth. I only watched it once. I will never watch that again. And it was a great story, but it was disturbing. It was yes. disturbing, and I know that was the intention. Uh, but sorry, maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe it's why they only got that one more uh, after that. Uh, maybe. And, and didn't uh, come back. I said those are the only two, but uh, the the character of Gwen, her ancestor, appeared in uh, an early season, and she appeared then in uh, Torchwood. Oh yeah, that's right. Same actress. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Um, but I like what they do with the the companions uh a lot mainly because you know in a way that you're right they are us in it because you yeah. know what kid doesn't dream about that sort of situation Flying off with the doctor you that know, was... being captain america's sidekick for instance yeah you know that sort of thing that's well that's why for robin two... and bucky and these other things exactly were so you know being uh having these companions and having ones that he interacts with as an equal 
in, in the new series mm-hmm. far more so than any of the old ones. Um, you know, they were. Uh, I mean, it, it got better as time went on, but some were better than others, and too. some were definitely better than others. Um, but you know, and, and bringing on multiple. Uh, companions and sometimes the mother <laughs> yeah you know which was uh, just some great comic relief uh, with david Tennant. Uh, well and christopher eccleston too because he was adamant from the very beginning no mothers yes. <laughs> uh, but seeing what happened to them and how they changed and changed the doctor uh, i think is probably the best part about the show you know every time one leaves you know it, it's always a sad thing Martha probably is my least favorite of them because she was a little too unrequited love for me. Yeah, that's they discovered you. Thou shalt not have the companion fall in love with the doctor. Much. Yeah, but they they don't. But the doctor, I mean, it's truly unrequited. Yeah, yeah the exactly. doctor had absolutely no interest in her, and it, it gets painful. But they they wrote her yes. out well to they the did. point where she got somebody at the end and said, "Okay." Well, and it was we, Mickey. We, yeah, it was Mickey. Rose's original boyfriend. That's right. Yeah, so it, Mickey it, Smith. That's it, right. It, it kind of works out. It works. Ricky. That's right. Ricky in the alternate universe. Yes. No, it's not Mickey. It's Ricky. Yes. Anyway. Well, and that's well, that's the doctor kept calling him originally. That's, that's why right. they did that. So. Yeah. Okay. All but, right. Is, oh, I'm sorry. No, no I was just going to say. Uh, the the companions you know, like when they cross over i think it's even more interesting yeah you know you we really only saw um clara and uh, you get to see martha a bit be, or i mean uh billy piper's rose and yeah. martha a little bit uh but well actually no martha no, only no, interacted martha with david tennant that's right she only, only interacted with david tennant so really rose yeah. and and clara are the, are the ones only ones that, that that have any kind of crossover Usually, when you change well, and doctors Captain and Captain Jack, well, but he was never a real companion. Well, he was, he was a, a spot in and spot well, out. Right, but usually they change both. But every once well, in a while, in the new ones, they're letting the companions bridge. It, well, and between, that's only say, because Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi. So yeah, and that that worked out. That was one that they did uh, because Claire had only had, I think, was it one year? Maybe it was two years. Um, uh, with I Matt Smith, I think it was season. one. I think it's just one season. One, one and a half. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so you, you, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna write her out. Jenna Coleman is really fantastic, so they're gonna let her run through that. A little she's bit. a great actress. She's been in some other things. Uh, and she's... Her uh, her work in Victoria, yeah. as Queen Victoria. Oh my God, folks, that is just one of the best, uh, best series. If you get a chance to watch it, I think it's four seasons. Maybe it's only but three. I like her bossiness. Her, you know, yeah. doctor's not going to get away with anything, yeah. whether it was Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi. That's right. It, yeah. worked, it worked very, yeah. very well. Yeah. Uh, and there was a little bit of the unrequited thing with them, but that it was just a very minor flirtation. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a really serious thing like um, that. I mean, there, it had been done before, because uh, uh, Sarah Jane was both the third, third doctor and the fourth doctor. But you're right. Most of the time, they change the doctor, they're changing companions, too. But I like the difference, you know, when you have the... Companion, you get to that. do a lot with the character yeah. that way. And honestly, I think the companions have some great arcs. I thought Clara's arc yeah. was pretty good. Yeah. I liked the way it ended. A lot of people didn't. Yeah. All right. So last question, and I'll try to keep you guys to just five minutes on this one. <laughs> right. But I've always wondered. I better go first. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered. Aren't you hilarious? Ha ha ha! Tis to laugh. <laughs> Sorry. It, you know, we tend to steal our TV shows from the British quite a bit. Friends is stolen from the Brits. Is it? What yeah. was the the Friends? I think it's called the... Coupling in, in Britain. Oh, no, no, no. Coupling um, was after 
friends, I'm pretty sure. And coupling did come to America as a as a it, yes, and, and it was and horrible. It, it was yeah. hor- and it got and it was it I think pushed yeah. across some boundaries uh, of teen consensual sex on screen. And they got it pulled, if I remember right. If I think I'm talking about the same thing. It was in America. Uh, that's not in any of the, the, the British scripts. No, no, no. It's, it's the but American issue. It, the it first episode of Coupling was lifted directly from the British version. Because the British version of Coupling is phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Life on Mars, one of my favorite shows, was a, uh, uh, it was only one season here. Yeah. It was really good. I mean, Harvard Cartel was yeah. in it. But, you know, Top Gear tried to adapt yeah, to yeah. the U.S., I think, like I, said, I think, Friends is the from something else. The Office, the office is, is so a, easy you know. Yeah. So there's lots. Is it possible to do an American version of the Doctor? No, no. Why would you want to at this point? Because this is it's too unique. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you, and it's already here. Well, now wait a minute. We, we say that, but that you know that's not entirely true. That it's impossible. No, it's not impossible because there was a show. Um, is it time slip? Time slip. It, it, uh, time tracks? No, no, no. Um, I think it was time slip. Uh, I have to look it up. But it was uh, Americans had created a time machine. Time and, tunnel. No, no, no. This, no, is, this, this, this is, is just this recent, recent, a few years ago. Oh, just yeah. recent. Oh. And they traveled throughout history, chasing the bad guys who were trying to to rewrite history. And occasionally, when they came back, oh, history yeah. would get rewritten. I do remember yeah. this, and it only had a couple of seasons, but it was great. It was really good. I remember watching that. Yeah, and, and to remember. a degree, DC Legends of Tomorrow is doing some of the same kind yes. of thing. Yeah, yes, yes, and that's that's about as close as you're going to get to yeah. the Doctor. Um, but you know that yeah, th- there's no direct ripoff, and I say ripoff, you know, not being. Yeah. Uh, I just think mean it would be it. so hard because, I mean. I couldn't even think of how you would do the TARDIS. There's no such thing as well, a police box in the U.S. So. Never has been. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to start from the ground up, start from the ground up. But BBC owns character. They're not, a, and they're making. Community. They would sue like crazy. Well, they'll never allow it. Yeah. They, no, no. See, well, well, I mean, even if you wouldn't. try and copy it, yeah, yeah it would have been something. You know, if you cut them in, well, yeah, and say if we're if going you to license it. A, yeah. License, well, that's what they tried to do with the '96 movie. Because it yeah. was going to be made here in the U.S. That's right. Yeah. That was that was an attempt at that. Because they were looking to expand the market. Because Fox was just a brand new network at the time. That's where it premiered on, and they were needing some good content, uh, so they were able yeah. to license now, this. See, yes, Fox in the '90s could have pulled it off. I almost did. Uh, in fact, believe it or not, the the show that they ended up settling for in place of that was Space Above and Beyond. Hmm. Which you guys remember very well, yeah. fondly. I think it's only one season, but damn, it was some of the best sci-fi. It was. It really was great. I mean, that was one of those things that uh, maybe that's its own episode. Well, we could. Oh yeah, it could up. be. I mean, there were so many great episodes. You know, Angriest Angel is it's still one of my still favorite my favorite sci-fi, sci-fi shows. shows of all of all. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's something we need to watch because I bet you've not watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a two-part yeah, episode. Think we'll you, get you there. I don't think it's it's replaceable. I mean, partially because it it has that built into itself. So, you know, if you want to do a new Doctor Who, you just do a do not, you know, you just recast it. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, there's, and it is so tied to Great Britain culturally with the police box. The police box and the costuming, and it's just become I mean, part people, of it now. Yeah, I mean, you would, if somebody dressed like the Doctor in the U.S., that's, you wouldn't go anywhere near him. But in Britain, this is like, oh, well, look, he's just kind of a weird curmudgeon look. Well, so let's go find out what's going on. Well, yeah. you could dress weird in the U.S., but it would just be—it would just be different. They would pick a different type of costume. Although Peter Capaldi had some fairly uh, 
generic. Yeah, fairly tame. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he, he didn't look. Uh, Which was fine because Matt, Matt Smith was wasn't particularly yeah, yeah, odd yeah, either. Tenet's, well, neither was Tenet. Tenet just it was, it's a suit, but it's kind of an old fashioned suit. It's a little old fashioned. It's very uh, very tight, very you know yeah. uh, uh, rumpled. The waistcoat kind of deal. Suit See, but the American weird. audiences have gotten used to Doctor Who now because he's mass market since two thousand five. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was now. If you ask that question before then. Well, yeah, maybe it could have been done. Like I said, they tried it and it didn't work. But they still did it as the Doctor. Well, that's right. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you could, you know, steal it in the same in the sense that oh, we're going to do a knockoff. Um, it's not like you know with with Star Trek and the Orville. The Orville is the best Star Trek I've seen in years. Any <laughs> great? It is. It really is. Uh, it's phenomenal. Even with uh, you know the comic the comedic aspects underpinning it. It's good sci-fi. It is. It's very, it it's really very good. Is. They did. Uh, I give Seth MacFarlane a lot of credit uh, because some of those uh, episodes are very serious. Yeah. Very, you know, well, very. The one, the the invasion of the androids. I forget the uh, the episode. If it was a cliffhanger for, I guess it was a cliffhanger or end of season one or middle of season two. I forget. But it was basically the best of both worlds, the Borg episode. Yeah. But <laughs> done right wow. or done well. Now, granted, you know, technology-wise, it's a lot. Well, easier well, to do that stuff now, but it it is. It's just really good. So certain things you can do because yeah. they're generic enough concepts. Because you know they're they're building on on things that already existed. You know, exploring. You know, the Starship Enterprise is nothing more than uh, you know a, a, a sailing vessel. You know that uh, that that uh, Christopher Columbus brought to the to the yeah. Shores it's of the Nina Pinta Santa Maria. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was uh, Kirk was often modeled on Horatio Hornblower. Yeah. Yeah. So. Whereas the Doctor, it's totally new, in the sense that there is nothing like it before, and really nothing like it since. That it's at least as successful. There may have been attempts to knock to do knockoffs, but I don't think anybody could do it well. Yeah. Nothing, I just always thought it, nothing it would have been interesting to have tried to do. An Americanized version of the program, licensed almost and everything, and, yeah, that's, you know, that set was, it in New York or Boston or something. That's and, what would have. That's, ultimately, it. that's what Paul McGann would have been found himself at uh, if had that series gotten greenlit. I'm kind of glad it didn't because I don't know that it could have survived. Whereas uh, maybe a couple years, maybe so. McGann's pretty damn good. It depends on who the writers yeah. were. Well, Fox would have given it a, a enough but, rope mm, to try to make it because they I needed the maybe. But Fox, and we all know this, was notorious for canceling things very quickly. Firefly is just the obvious example. That was before that. Yeah. yeah. So Fox was not the place you wanted to have a long-lived series at that time. You just didn't. Well, that's changed now. You can make the argument most of the ones they canceled deserve to be canceled early. Oh, sure. There's some yeah. of them out there, but Firefly is the you know, I suppose, yeah. exception proves the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always liked the, uh, what was the one that was based on the DC comic? Uh, Hunter? No, Human Target. The Human Target? I like Human Target, yeah. but it was short-lived as Very well. I liked Human yeah. Target. Um because I liked uh, um, Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, I love Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Uh, so. Rorschach from Watchmen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. Worked. Almost all the great shows and movies are all comic-based anymore. That's well, it's still fertile well. It, People yeah. have been, they've been having to come up with this stuff for so long, and they got a huge backlog of, of easy, easily well-done yeah. concepts. Uh, Lucifer is based on Vertigo comic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, which yeah. is... And, and Lucifer is a fantastic show. Horrible theology at times, but sometimes it's really good theology. Uh, but it's just, it's really good. 
likable characters. Right. And, you know, that's the key to any good show. you got to have likable characters. Even your villain has to be likable. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, that's pretty good. That's right at an hour of Doctor Who. So I think I did a good job. I cut you off a little bit there. But, yeah, it, it's it's the big deal. It is. It is a big deal. Yeah. And, love and, uh, it. Absolutely love it. Yep. Uh, actually, didn't get to do it yesterday because I took a nap in the middle of the day and then I had dinner and other things going on. But uh, there was a marathon of Christmas specials yesterday. Oh, well, yeah. Yep. And the I, new I, one should have appeared last night, but I haven't checked my DVR. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're exactly right because on Christmas, you got to watch those Christmas specials. Yeah. I haven't done that yet. On Pluto TV, there's a Doctor Who channel running all the time. Oh, and Pluto TV is free. That's right. And uh, it is some of the old stuff. Yeah. I flipped it on the other day and. Color episodes from a long time ago. Were yeah, well, I'm telling you, if you could take yourself to sit down, it's worth it. Some of those stories were great. I'm bring you. Mm. So, Francis, buddy, what is next? Time? Can you say the word hoopajube, gentlemen? Hoopajube. That's right. It is time. We have slipped back into that, out of the time vortex, and into a place where there is a fifth Friday of the month, and we're going to talk a hoopajube. Which who knows what that's going to be? Although we already do know what that's going to be. We're going to talk about Generation X and why it is the greatest generation. Yes, Generation that, X. That pun is deliberate on my part here. Why right. it is so darn good. And it's no accident, folks, that, yep, that's us. Uh, why we are so wonderful. Not just as snakes and otters, which we knew that already, but as a generation. As those people of a certain age. What it is that we have that is good. Uh, what is it that we have different from those who went before and those who came after. Uh, how much of that is because of where we are and how much we've lived? How much of it is just endemic to us? Who knows where we're going to go? I'm sure we're going to anoint ourselves as wonderful before it's over. But it's Why the not? It seems to be the, the, the current yeah, fast. That's uh, right. Well, hey, you know, uh, it's the getting there. That's the fun. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.